This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me as usual are Richard Hawes. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This week, we've got five main reviews. We're going to kick off with Aaron Eckhart in The Bricklayer. Then we have a World War II actioner called Fortunes of War. Uh, then we have a nice quirky one called Headcount, followed by the horror film Cold Meat and Ian McShane in American Star. Our short shot is The Court Jester, and our DTV throwback is the supernatural horror movie Pie Wacket. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first review then is The Bricklayer. An ex-CIA agent is reactivated when an extortionist blackmails the agency by making it look like they are assassinating detracted journalists. So um, it's it's interesting that this didn't get a cinema release. I, I've, I think a certain studio lost their nerve because this really, it, it's got the production values that, you know, it really could have had a cinema release. It could have been up there with The Beekeeper, I think. That whole bit on the rooftop in the rain, you know, that, that screams high production. It really does. Um, you know, there's other scenes all the way through. It's a nice little car chase and things like that. We've got locations, you know, in Greece. Um, the cast is great. I, I, I really think they, they bottled it and by putting this out into, you know, streaming. What do you think, uh, Rich? Uh, I think it's found its natural home, really, because I, I didn't think much of it uh, as well. I certainly didn't think as much of it as you did. Um, the yeah, I think I think the beekeeper's you know fantastic, and I've watched it multiple times. Whereas I think this one just didn't really have a lot going on. Um, uh, certainly with the with the uh, the bricklayer sort of concept, the theme, I just thought they they didn't really do anything with it. It's just like he hmm. picks up a trowel. There's a couple of fight scenes where he uses a trowel, yeah, which is nice fun. But that's about it, really. I mean, uh, I, I didn't, it barely seemed worth mentioning, and certainly not enough well, to make it the title of the movie. And he's uh, he's not he's not as invested in Bricklayer as Jason Statham is in keeping bees. That's for sure. Um, you know, because he, he he never stops talking about bees, bees, bees. You know, he's like Mr. Bees. But, um, but in this case, yeah, it's just like it's the profession he's decided to do after retiring kind yeah. of thing which, which which you know in which case makes it his badass juxtaposition doesn't it i mean you know we, we have casey ryback who's a bloody chef we've got harry mm. tasker who's a computer salesman you know all, all of the usual sort of stuff everyone sort of de- does these little weird sort of dad jobs you know when, when they're not killing people basically uh and that that's his you know leave me alone i gotta go repoint this wall kind of thing yeah um It'd be, I'd be interested yeah. to know what because this is based on a novel. Mm. I'd be interested to know whether that was gone into because the novel itself was called The Bricklayer, as far as I'm mm. aware. So the what how what level of sort of detail, not in terms of what level of detail in terms of 
<laughs> you know, talking about the intricacies of building walls, maybe, <laughs> but in terms of like the, the the importance of that as a as a as a character thing and stuff. Indeed. Whereas in this, he kind of goes, "Oh, I always take my tools with me," and that's kind of that's kind of it. I don't that's know. Kind of the, um, yeah, I, I, for me, the sort of main selling point, the main interesting thing, is that it's directed by Rennie Harlan. Indeedy. And to be fair, his his career has essentially been coasting on. That he's the director of, you know, these early '90s classics like mm-hmm. Die Hard Two and Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger yeah. he, he's basically been coasting on that for like 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, and and in the last like 20, you know, well, last 10 plus years, let's say, he's been basically outside the studio system. Uh, he did like uh, he did 12 rounds in 2009 with John Cena. Mm-hmm. That was like a little return, but he and he had a few of those, like when he did um, uh, Deep Blue Sea. Was quite a big was a big hit. That was, that was a big probably hit. Last yeah. hit. Um, <clears throat> but then he's got he's been kind of all over the shop since then. And one of the films he's made that I'm most interested to see, but it's never it hasn't come out yet. But he did it in like 2019 was a Chinese film called Bodies at Rest mm. uh, with uh, Nick Chung. But he, he's kind of going all over the world. And uh, this one he's made in Greece for Millennium uh, Millennium uh, Media. Uh, formerly New Image and Millennium Films and, and stuff, because uh, they've actually, because I did some research, they've actually got a studio in Greece, cool. uh, which is where they're basing. So they've done a lot of stuff in Bulgaria and stuff, and now they're sort of doing it. So I, I thought the Greece setting was quite an interesting feature. Uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, and so you're interested in sort of like the location. Thessaloniki, Thessaloniki is where the majority of the action is set. Uh, so that gave a, a dimension to it. Uh, we get all the tip, all the sort of standard action beats and stuff you would expect. This is more of a uh, a thriller w- with uh, you know action thriller uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Cliff uh, <coughs> Clifton Collins Jr. I think is the villain here. Uh, yeah, and uh, I always quite like seeing him. He, he he's um, he's Victor Radek, who's kind of an old friend of. Aaron Eckhart's uh, yeah. agent Steve Vale, and they've got kind of com- other com- complex uh, sort of um, past, and yeah, they're he's sort of brought in to kind of get him. It's your standard kind of movie oh, that Steven Seagal yeah. would have made back in the day, kind of story. <laughs> Sorry, go on. It's, 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 no, it's a step up from Seagal, that's for sure. I think the production values and, and quality of it, you know, and, and having someone like Aaron Eckhart, who's more in that kind of Hmm. Not not Tom Cruise, but you know, kind of Tom Cruise, uh, Mel Gibson, you know, act action actor kind of league, you know, where they yeah. sort of you know take it a step up, more of dramatic. You know, it's the kind of film that maybe uh, Warner Brothers might have put out in the mid nineties, you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, rather than your rather than more of a standard DTV cigar kind of movie. But the concept is essentially that. Um, We've got Nina Dobrev as the uh, sort of rookie agent who's sort of in, in the field, and uh, she's actually his superior, but, you know, he doesn't take any respect for her. It does make me wonder if, I mean, I don't know how old the... I think I looked up the book. I don't think the book is actually that old, but it seems like when, when, the, when the film was playing out, I was like, this seems like it was a script from, like, the 90s or mm. something, because nothing's really been updated in terms of uh, sort of the... the sexual politics kind of you know Indeed. kind of yeah. things it's it's very much a he's a man and he's the one in charge and she's uh she's just that sort of waifish girl who's you know along 
for the ride kind of thing. Um, but yeah, and then you've got uh, Tim Blake Nelson's in there as well. He's the, the director of the CIA, so it was quite cool to have him in there as well. Uh, yeah, so I think there's a there's interesting things about it. Mm-hmm. But no, oh, um, uh, Rennie Harlan's wife is in there as well uh, in a small role. Um, but the um, uh, the thrust of it was that I didn't I didn't find the action particularly exciting. I thought it was fine, and there was some interesting beats, but. I was kind of wait, always waiting for the bricklaying yeah. sort of thing to be a key key thing, and it was that's like not really. Even there, there's a, even a bit where they show him building a wall, and it it's like a tiny tiny bit of wall, and he's like yeah. slides a brick in, and he doesn't like add any <laughs> any cement or anything to it. So um, I was thinking, uh, yeah, I, I I think that was a bit maybe all of that was a bit rushed. Uh, I'm not saying they've got to go into huge detail or anything, but. Uh, you know, he, did he clobber anyone with a brick at any point? I can't remember, but uh, say the trowel definitely got a couple of uses. Yeah, it's trowel to uh, the neck a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, I think, I think that's what disappointed me. I think if it wasn't a film that was sort of setting itself up with the with that as the theme, like the beekeeper didn't disappoint. The beekeeper sort of bangs you over the head with the bees thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. almost too much because it's like, it doesn't really make any sense. So it's like, okay, he's a member of an organization called the beekeepers, but now he's an actual beekeeper. Do they have to be beekeepers? And oh, actually there's this other one who's got this book about beekeeping. Is she a beekeeper as well? <laughs> like literally a bee? Anyway, there's the whole thing. It's not explained very well, but it's a very fun movie. But yeah, the, but the um... funny thing about that as well is, is that you could easily have read it as Jason Statham as this like slightly brain damaged guy who can only think about protecting the hive and just yeah. going on this sort of Jason style killing spree, basically. I must protect the hive, kill the queen kind of thing. It was yeah, <laughs> very funny. Anyway. Now, what, yeah. are the, what are some of the other things you really liked about this then? I, I like the, ch- there's a really good car chase in it. Um, that that was done really well with some decent bits of carnage and stuff. I thought, thought that worked. Um, I do kind of agree that, you know, that, it kind of, you know, when, when there's nothing much going on, there really is nothing much going on um, between the sort of the action beats. Uh, and and some of them are a bit repetitive, that has to be said. Uh, but I did like the ending um, as well. I like the way he, he dealt with it. And I like this sort of <laughs> when these two Greek cops turned up. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that's that's probably exactly what would happen. You know, at that point, um, but yeah, no, I, I just I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing Aaron Eckhart sort of beating people up. Basically, he is one of these sort of guys that, um, you know, there there is a bit of a cigar there in that he does seem to be just about untouchable. You know, in in his fights, even though he's like probably fifty five, sixty. You know, he's still getting the better of just about everyone in the film. Um, apart from that bit at the beginning on the roof in the rain when he when he gets shot, um, but that, I, I love that whole sequence actually. The whole bit, you know, on, on the rooftop, thought that was really well done. Uh, I think a, you know probably a good piece of the production budget went into that that whole sequence, but um, it was enjoyable. And and again, as as I said, you know, I I could have seen this, I, I could see this um, playing on a big screen. You know, well, it was put out. I mean, Sky grabbed hold of it. Mm. And a bit like, you know, say that's, uh, you know, films like uh, Final Score, for example, mm-hmm. that that was 
sort of in this ball wheelhouse and they put that in cinemas so they could have done the same they could have done the uh put it in because this is something that sky were doing before the pandemic because they would get hold of a film and they would put it in cinemas to kind of promote it and get you to subscribe to their Mm. services and stuff so they would put it in cinemas as kind of an advertising thing and then it premiered on the same time on the on the home service they've moved away from that completely now beekeeper has got like a massive window uh, you know, it's in cinemas exclusively. Yeah. And then the and then you've got films like this, which are they bought up more they bought up more films as originals because they didn't have because of COVID and everything, they didn't have the blockbusters to rely on. Mm-hmm. So they bought more films to sort of tag, you know, like well, one more shot recently. We've had yeah. uh, one shot prior to that. They they bought they buy up these sort of mid budget, uh, medium budget action movies to, oh, uh, to put out. But they don't but uh yeah. yeah. Uh, Silent Night, sorry, the um, John Woo one. Yeah, so they, they, they'll buy these up, um, but they don't want, for some reason, they're like not doing the day and date thing anymore. They're just kind of going, okay, we're either going to put this on the streaming service or we're going to make it a cinema release, which is a completely new kind of strategy. Um, yeah. But, but uh, it would be nice to see them go back to doing that so that people who do, like yourself, do want to have the opportunity to see mm. a film like this which is a DTV movie, but with the chance to see it in the cinema, yeah. that would that would be really cool. I mean, uh, the problem with that is that they they don't put them in many screens, so they're actually quite hard to get to. So a film like Final Score, I would have loved to see that on the big screen, but it's, yeah, definitely, it wasn't showing anywhere near me, you know, uh, kind of thing. But um, yeah, so I I was it was I was pleasantly surprised to see it turn up on Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Say there's a lot, there's a lot, a number of interesting features. It's always fun to kind of play spot the cliche and stuff. You've got the, uh, I don't know if it's a Deus Ex Machina, you know, basically she, uh, he's in the middle of this action sequence and like, uh, Nina Dobrev just l- magically turns up at just the right place to do the get in kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the mini Cooper like, thing. Yeah. How would she yeah. even know where it was anyway? Yeah. But, um, this is a that's a bit, I know there's a whole bunch of other stuff. There's a little bit of John Wick with a a nightclub fight sequence, which they actually try and do a bit of some long take action, which I thought yeah. um, had some quite uh, stylized camera work and Aaron Eckhart clearly doing the action in those bits, bits yeah. which was which was quite um, cool to see. Uh, would have liked to would have liked a bit more of that. Um, and yeah, you get your shootouts, you get your car chases, you get basically everything you're going to want. I think it's too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's like an it's it's it, it's what like hour and forty minutes or. Uh, uh, yeah, just, I, I agree. It's probably, probably about ten minutes too long for, for what it is. Hour fifty minutes, actually. Sorry, it's nearly yeah, two. Yeah, it's 20 minutes, minutes right. too long. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a bit too too much. Um, but uh, again, yeah, I'm sort of on the fence about it. I so, so I think <laughs> I just feel it was like a bit of a missed opportunity with the, with the theme and the idea of it. But I like Aaron Eckhart. I like Rennie Harlan. Um, you know, I thought he. You know, he's probably done. There's other films that are a lot better than this, but it's nice that it's always nice to see him doing action. He's clearly gotten well with Aaron Eckhart. They've got a shark movie that they've got yeah. coming out called, I think deep fear. That's going to be one of their next, yeah, yeah. the next films to come out. Um, I think uh, Rennie Harlan, the last one we did was the misfits, That's which right. was the one he made in uh, the United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. which I think had a bigger budget than this one. And, you know, that had a, um, that had the same again. I had some issues with it, but it had quite a lot of energy and stuff. But uh, I think uh, 
um, I, yeah, I think I did, although I had issues with that movie, I think I kind of almost preferred it because it was a bit okay. more in, interesting for me. I like Pierce Brosnan and stuff. It's a bit lively. But I think this one has a more, uh, it manages its tone and consistency better. I think Misfits was a bit all over the place and mm -hmm. some of the, it was the mainly the comedy just really didn't work. And so this one, you don't have to worry about that. There's no comedy in this. There's some, there's some you know, jokey asides and stuff. But um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we go to the schools, um, you know, we we mentioned the beekeeper, and obviously this one. There is a third um, retire, retiree taking up a um, weird profession movie called The Painter. Have you have you heard of that one? I've, yeah, I have. Uh, there's a few others actually, but the um, uh, I can't remember the names of, of them. Of yeah, recently. Painter. I've. Uh, I can't remember what the. I can't remember what that one's actually. Who's in that one? Well, no, I can't, um, I've gone who's in it, but yeah, he's a retired agent who's now a painter. <laughs> you know, doing portraits oh, yeah. and shit. It's um, a guy called Charlie Webber, but it's also Charlie Webber. John Voight. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah John Voight. Yeah. yeah, that's um, that is out now as well, but it's on uh, it's on the uh, streaming services. Mm -hmm. But the um, Just yeah, I definitely I definitely watch it. I like the idea of these um. Mm. Things, I, you know, I'm, I, I think I, I think it's quite quite fun. The the idea actually there was um there was another one a few years ago that Aaron Eckhart did, mm -hmm. which was called The Expatriate, which I I've never seen, but I wondered whether oh, I it was seen a similar that. kind of yeah yeah I've, I've seen that. But uh, he's not playing a spy or anything in that. I think no, no, he's a regular, he, he, regular, yeah, he's a regular, regular guy. guy. I think it's set in Germany, and. Yeah, one day all, all his accounts and all his identifications just wiped. You know, and he has to try and figure out why. It's it it quite a good one. Yeah. Erased was, I think, the, uh, so, the, yeah, yeah, the title that it was known by. But yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've long wanted to see it. I will check it out at some point. But mm. uh, I just thought, oh, that, I wondered if it was like similar. But I, I did look at, look look it up a little bit, and it's like, no, it does seem a very different prospect yeah. to what to what this was. But yeah, I. I'm an Aaron, I like Aaron Eckhart. Always good to mm -hmm. see him. Uh, he, we, I think the last thing we watched him Muzzle. in was the Muzzle, Muzzle. yes. Yeah. And also we watched the Jesse Johnson. Was it Jesse? No, Ambush. It wasn't. It, I don't think that was a Jesse Johnson. Oh, no, one. Ambush. No. Was, yeah, the uh, one with um, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers. Jonathan, Jonathan Reese Myers. Yeah, that, that was yeah, really yeah. good. I re really like that. Yeah. yeah. So I think in terms of sort of the D, uh, DTV action actors and stuff, mm -hmm. I think Aaron Eckhart's kind of one of the more solid and reliable ones you know you see him attached to something it's actually yeah. you know it's going to be of a really good standard compared to something like a uh he doesn't really do the uh uh not well you know the bruce the whole sort of geezer teaser kind of thing it's yeah, like yeah, oh you're not no, going to get or or even steven seagal himself you know he's, you, you do get aaron eckhart is in the movie he's committed to it he's 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 fully the proper star yeah. and everything it feels like a proper movie is you know it's that's always yeah. something you feel like you like can rely him on or with, antonio banderas or you know um you know or John, jonathan lehman as you mentioned you know um these are all actors who, who choose interesting projects basically mm. and, and and do sort of fully commit to them as you say yeah, right, good stuff. Cool. All right, then on that note, Rich, how are you going to score the bricklayer? I'm going to go a six on this one. Okay. Um, well, I'm going a full solid seven. Um, thoroughly enjoyable. 
you know, if, if this does, as it's on Sky Cinema, the, the, you know, there's, there's a chance somewhere down the line it'll pop up on DVD and Blu-ray and, and, and you know, be in a bargain bin somewhere and I'll add it to my collection. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Dazzler picked it up. Yeah, yeah, probably in a year's time or so. Cool. All right. That is a six and a seven for The Bricklayer. Go check it out. Our next film is Fortunes of War. A small team of British commandos are cut off from their comrades following a raid in Normandy. While under siege from a German battalion, the commandos make a startling discovery. Interesting that we've only just covered another World War II film. Um, what was that one called, guys? I've forgotten. It was uh, Warblade. Warblade. Warblade, that was it. Um, sort of similar but different <laughs> in that, you know, they are both sort of men and the mission kind of things, except this this one, they kind of do away with the mission within the first minute or, you know, yeah. first five minutes because it all goes to shit. Uh, and then there's no real plot in the film at all until the last five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, there's, there's no actual story. It's this case of where we got to keep avoiding the Germans, you know, and there's that sort of like typical, you know, period of attrition, you know, or cycle of attrition because, you know, they keep getting whittled away, whittled away as they go along. Um, of the two, I did actually prefer this. Um, I, I like the characters a bit better. Um, I was kind of like, I, I did have to do a bit of research because I, I know, for example, um, in the American army in World War Two. Um, sort of black servicemen would not have been in the front line. They would not have been in the commandos, or the, you know, or anything like that. That they'd have been the guys driving the trucks and, and making the food and that sort of thing. So to have a couple of guys, you know, a couple of black um, soldiers in the, as part of this sort of guerrilla commandos, really sort of stuck out. So I had to sort of do a quick Wikipedia and sort of like look into the, um, you know, the history of sort of like, um, African and Jamaican servicemen during during Second World War. And it turned out, yeah, no, yeah, they they all you know, um they're all over the place, basically. So once once I realised that I thought, yeah, okay. I'm quite happy with with this going forward. Um, that's a key thing they highlight at the end credits as well. They put a, a notice up. That. Yeah. Yeah, a notice comes up uh, after the I think it's after the first few credits mm. that it's um that they that yeah, the, the film was sort of wanting to highlight that contribution and pay tribute to it. Hmm. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. You know, it really, really did sort of um, stand out, basically. And as I said, um, my, my ignorance sort of made me sort of check it, check up on it. If it was his, you know, historical accuracy and all the rest of it. Uh, no, the, the no I felt the same. In all fairness, and, when I was watching, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't sure um, how, whether hmm. it was like dramatic license or. Or mm. anything, so um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, sort of uh, what we say revisionist kind of in that sense, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But other than that, I, I, I did like it, I like the characters, especially the sergeant, you know, I like this sort of laid back attitude to everything. Um, I was, I was kind of glad to see the colonel lose it in the first <laughs> couple of minutes. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty solid, you know, low, low budget, but at the same time, good production values, um, kind of film. Uh, Steve, what do you make of it? Yeah, I'm just 
<clears throat> like you said, man, it's nothing we haven't seen before, and it's. Mm. I don't know if I'm getting a bit sick of them. To be honest, I'm not saying it's awful. It's not terrible, but like you say, it's every couple of months there's these new Second World War, First World War films coming out, and it's you know just the same thing. Like you say, mm. you've got the mission that's abandoned after five minutes, and then. It's just battle for a minute, or we'll stop the battle for 10 minutes and we'll regroup and then we'll have another bit of a battle and stuff like that. Mm. And like I say, there's a little bit of a twist at the end, but apart from that, nothing new here at all. You know, mm. it, it, they, they, they stretched the budget to what they could. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, again, it's a single location uh, apart mm. from a field. Field in a house, that's about it, you know. And nothing inspiring, really. Just same old thing, same old stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting, I'm getting a bit fed up with it because I kind of knew what it was going to be going into it. You know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah. I was a bit hesitant. Um, but I had a chance to watch one more, so I'll pick this over the... The Bricklayer. Um, Bricklayer, yeah. <laughs> might not have been the best idea, but I'm just... Yeah, I'm just getting a bit bored of them. It's the same thing over and over again, and... I don't know, maybe they must they must sell. Like, you know, they must sell because they keep me getting made. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, Rich and I have commented many times uh, on the amount of um, World War Two. Um, mm. fil- you know, films that come out. Um, you know, d- not necessarily, not even just, you know, British ones, American ones, German. You know, stuff about yeah. stuff about Auschwitz and all this sort of stuff. You know, uh, you know, slip slip a tank or a Spitfire or a Nazi symbol. You know, a swastika on on the cover of the DVD, and and yeah, they're, they're going to end up in the top ten, um, yeah. quite quite easily. Uh, yeah, there, there is definitely a market. Still, I mean, even now, I'm, I'm looking at the poster, yeah, mm. and you've got these two massive bomber plane airplanes, whatever, on the poster. <laughs> one's exploding and one's just flying through. They're not in it. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Still, yeah. I mean, I I, I think they were going for. A bit of like Kelly's heroes towards the end, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was literally, you know, the last five ten minutes of the film that we were given a, a, a bit of plot as, yeah. as to what's going, you know, what's happened. And... You know, you know, it actually reminded me of mm. hello, hello. <laughs> in a way, in a way, uh, because you've got the resistance fighters, the Germans. And then, like, the stolen artifacts and stuff. And it was just like, mm. it's, it was It's the, the picture, the portrait of the woman with the big boobies. Oh, my dog with the big boobies, yeah. Yeah, the motto. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's funny as well, because obviously, Hello, Hello was a parody of that sort of thing. And, and he got these two resistance fighters. One of them's in, in the trench coat and a beret, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, it, it looks, <laughs> it does look like, a, a par- you know, a parody of itself, but and as well, that is probably and as well, what they were. Sorry, you've got as well. You've got the little blonde one. 
Yeah. Who looks like the little blonde waitress in the cafe as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But anyway, um, <clears throat> Rich, what did you make of Fortunes of War? Well, I'm, I always kind of want to preface something like this with, look, this is, I'm not really the audience for right, yeah. these kind of yeah. low budget World War II kind of movies. But I would say that we have watched a few of them and something like Warblade recently, I did find a lot more to latch onto with that mm-hmm. one. I, I, I found plenty that I could think of to, to say about it and, you know, things that I thought worked and, and whatever. Whereas this one, I think like, what you picked up on earlier that there's not really a lot of story there. Um, I would say, you know, something like hell hath no fury mm. has a similar kind yeah. of setup. You know, it's, it's, you know, set in, you know, isolated outdoor area, you know, not much, you know, no big production designs and stuff, whatever, for the most part. Um, there's a, there's a bit, you know, some flashbacks and stuff in, in, uh, in that film and Jesse Johnson's film. That's kind of, that's kind of the high, higher watermark for this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you've got these lower budget, say British movies that's, that, that are quite plentiful, which is I do find surprising. It's like what you were saying, uh, you know, earlier about you know we've we've observed over the years of tons of these being mm. put out, and a lot of that is down to sort of like I believe uh, you know they're put on DVD and it's the supermarket sales. You know, it's uh, yeah. people going round, they see the theme, they see the cover art, they pick it up, um, and we're not seeing. As you know, the because the bottom is almost entirely fallen out of the DVD market now. It, you know, th- there's a few hanging in there, but you're not seeing as many of these kind of films released on DVD anymore. That's true. And yeah. uh, uh, whether it's a homegrown low budget one or like a big budget German one or whatever, we're, we're just not seeing them. Uh, whether there's not not many international productions being made at the moment, I'm not sure, but we certainly used to see them a lot. Um, and at the moment, most of the World War Two themed stuff that we're seeing is these low-budget British movies. And I'm surprised that there's enough of a market online, you know, exclusively online for them. Yeah. Um, so, but that's, uh, that, that aside, um, so this is made by Bill Thomas, who's uh, a previous film of his that we discussed was The Three Musketeers, which featured uh, the Black D'Artagnan oh, and yeah. uh, James Cosmo. Uh, it, it, as a, <coughs> I think was he Cardinal Richelieu? Cardinal, in the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he was. Uh, which was similarly, you know, the, they're both similarly low budget, sort of very low budget films. Mm. Uh, probably some of the most low budget. Um, so this is a bunch of people. They kind of got. The, I don't know if the costumes are accurate and stuff, but they certainly seemed reasonable enough to me. But they're, yeah, they're in the woods and stuff. Any sort of signage that gets put up saying, you know, uh, whether it's like, you know, German borders, you know, signs and and things like that is quite, you know, basic, basic signage and stuff, which is fair enough. Um, The, the, I think they made it in Suffolk, somewhere like that. But that's absolutely, it's absolutely fine. Um, The, but and the performances, I think, were okay. But, yeah, I just think there wasn't really a lot of story. It can't come... There is some stuff that comes in, like you say, towards the end. But I was... there. You know, Warblade had sort of like that, you know, uh, introductory scene where, you know, they're having a meeting in the office. Okay, the, the, mm-hmm. where they had the office was, like, sparse. 
but it was you know it was reason it was you know it was reasonable enough and it kind of got you into the rhythm it set him up with the with the soldiers and stuff and in this one you kind of you're dumb you're you're kind of in with them already kind of yeah. there uh and there's not really a lot of setup and and uh maybe that was one of the issues that stopped me from sort of engaging with it a bit more i don't know so yeah it's sort of like was there but i i i i'd say it, it's not really for me so that other people might not have the same issues that that i've got with it but it just didn't connect with me at all it was just kind of there and you know it, it was kind of doing its thing and i was a little bit entertained towards the end but um i didn't get a lot out of it to be fair fair enough yeah, I mean, I, th I think I got a bit more out of it than, than you guys because I, I was enjoying the, you know, the little skirmishes and things and the sort of bit of the characterization that we got. Um, I thought that all, all worked. Um, you know, they, they weren't doing anything particularly stupid, you know, to take you out of the movie. And as you say, you know, things like the costumes and things like that, that was all reasonably authentic enough that you're not sort of going well that's ridiculous um the, the only thing was when they you know they're getting away in the jeep at the end and it's an american jeep you know, oh. <laughs> it's like okay so where did that come from <laughs> but anyway <laughs> you know, never mind um one, one of the other they had to use what they could get <laughs> that's well, probably yeah, what it yeah, was well, exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but one, one, one of the one of the other interesting things as well one of the sort of um glaring mistakes in the film 1918 mm. um mm. is that it's a you know set during world war one in the trenches you know in and around the trenches on the front line shall we say and there are a whole period to that film where there's it's just silence when in do you, in, mean, in do a, you mean 1917 that's the one yeah, yeah the sam sam yeah. sam Mendes. sam Mendes one yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you know you know there should have been shelling like almost non-stop or, or gunfire and stuff in the in the distance and that's one thing this this does get right especially in the first half of the film as they're trying to get away you know there's other battles going on and other skirmishes going on uh, you know somewhere near where they are and, and you know you're constantly hearing like gunfire and stuff in the background i thought that was a a decent piece of sort of um you know production design for it um right on that note, uh, Steve, what are you going to score Fortunes of War? I'll give it a five. Five from you. And Rich? I'm going to go five as well. And I'm going a six. Could have done with a bit more story for sure, this one. Two fives and a six for Fortunes of War. Go check it out. <laughs> Our next review is Headcount. After escaping prison, Cat finds his own revolver pointed to his head by an unknown assailant. As the empty chambers click away, Cat tries to remember what happened to each bullet and how many are left in the gun. This one... Okay, guys, you know how much I hate in media res. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is one of those very rare exceptions because the in-media res aspect for this is actually integral to the story. It's not something which has just been tacked on to try and keep the audience's attention before they you know, get to the boring exposition bit before the action starts. You know, this one needs that element. Um, 
for the flashbacks, you know, in order for the story to work. We need to know that he's in trouble and he's desperately trying to figure out how many bloody bullets are still left in the gun after the crazy two days he's just had. Yeah, because um, the problem with the in-media res thing is usually they show something, they go yeah. back in time, and then eventually they come back to that point exactly. and then they move on or something, whether that, at whatever point mm. that is. Whereas in this one, we're, we come, we're constantly coming back to that yeah that current moment uh, and yeah. it's actually the flashbacks that, that are the kind of the deviation as it were rather than rather than it just being a purely sort of uh stylistic device to sort of grab you although it does serve that function as well indeed i wasn't sure what i was gonna you know like um a bit like marmalade i wasn't sure what i was going to make of this going into it um yeah. but I, I i must admit i did enjoy it quite a lot a lot more than i thought i was going to um, you know, there are, there are some quite surprising moments and some nice sort of, uh, you know, sort of little comedic bits here and there. Um, uh, there's some pretty, you know, mean spirited moments as well. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I, I was quite on board with this, uh, you know, following this guy, Cat, you know, this sort of like relatively lovable loser kind of guy, <laughs> you know, just can't get himself out of trouble. Um, so yeah, I was I was pretty much on board with this all the way through. Uh, Steve, what did you make of Headcount? Yeah, to be fair, when it started, I was I was a bit a bit wary about what's this going to be, and then, like you say, it goes back and forward and back and forward, and it's it's, it's done well. And I enjoyed it. it I liked um, what's it called, Brian yeah, Quanton. Yeah, I thought he was good in it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, doing his southern accent as usual, which he's really good at. <laughs> he's got really uh, weird eyes, isn't he, Ryan Quantum? He's got he's yeah. he's got these two little tiny eyes in the middle of his head. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. But I'm yeah. a fan of his. Yeah, ever, ever since um, True Blood, and you know, he's done other films yeah. like Norsemen yeah. and things like that. Yeah, he, he, he's so um, pretty cool. But then you get entangled in. He's trying to. You know, he sends him in to get the, what's it, a rocket launcher or something? Was it $30,000? 30, $30, it's supposed to be picked. He's supposed to be stealing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, getting lucky. Oh, I'm thinking of someone else. Not, so. I'm getting mixed <laughs> up with Reach in the series. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, but it does work well. It's, you know, the little the clock going along, you know, I mean, he's got left in it and it's just quirky. He's, he's, but it but it works well. Mm. Um, I thought, you know, he was actually a decent little decent little performance, thought he was a good good character, uh, you know, cat. Because mm. uh, it you know, it's mainly on his head. There's no you know, there's little bit parts and stuff, but there's no real one else that he's bouncing off of all the time. It's literally moving around, uh, going from place to place and, you know, scenario to scenario. but um, Oh, it was enjoyable. It was good. It was, like I say, nice, quirky, funny bits, serious bits. And the ending, actually, to be fair, it actually worked out decent. You know, it weren't just throw cobble together. And, yeah. Um, you know, like, it, it was even, you know, it actually worked and there was actual reasoning behind it as well. Now, interestingly, um, the guy who plays Kat, Aaron Jakubenko, <laughs> Sorry, just murdered your name. Um, you may remember, guys, a couple of years ago, we did a film called Great White, which is about mm -hmm. the um, 
the, the you know the the tour guides who end up with a sort oh, of yeah 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 he 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 was he was the main guy in that um, right. so yeah no cool to see him again um, Rich what do you make of headcount I liked it a lot I wasn't sure what to like you said I think I I think I probably wasn't that excited going in uh, and I actually had it I was I was sort of passively watching it. Uh, and as and when I, when I got to the end, I was like, no, you know what? I've actually got to watch this properly. <laughs> so I thought <laughs> there was enough that was really getting getting my interest. So I was thinking, yeah, I haven't given this film enough, you know, of, of enough fair credit. And I, 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 so I went back and watched it again from the beginning because I'd seen, I noted the beginning. I thought, oh, that's really, it's got quite an interesting hook, quite interesting humor because the um, they're on the chain gang, and then mm. like, basically there's a puma attack, which basically uh, yeah. uh, you know gives a, an opening for for our protagonists to escape. And then his escape is kind of lackadaisical, which uh, yeah. I thought was kind of, you know, he doesn't really seem to worry about any, anyone coming after him very much. Uh, and nobody else seems to be really worried that he's gone. Um, Cause he's kind of going to all these, he's going to visit like old haunts and stuff. And you were thinking, well, if brother, people were looking for him, they, yeah, that's where they'd go. Yeah. Um, the marshals would be like, right, stake out his brother, stake out his yeah. ex-girlfriend, you know, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so the, um, yeah, so there's like a bit where he, you know, he's he's at the um, gas station and he's in a stolen car and he, you know, he, he literally says to another bloke who's just parked yeah. up, was like, he's like staring at him. He's like, yeah, I've just I've just escaped from <laughs> prison, and, and 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 he's like, okay, good yeah. for you, kind of thing, and then just like walks off. Nobody cares. Uh, so it's kind of a, an interesting sort of uh, humor sort of that's that's set up in the film, and then he this is the point where he gets hold of the gun. And the 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 concept of the film, as as I can't remember if you, you you might have mentioned this already, but the the idea is that he's got it's a six six chambers, so mm. it's the, it's him trying to remember uh, what each bullet was used for, ultimately, so that he knows how many bullets are in the gun at that point at which we open the film. So how much danger is he in? Uh, so he's trying to work out his situation, and it's a flashback to sort of recollect and the, and the film does this counter uh which i thought was quite fun of like you know yeah. oh there's one bullet's gone down one's really and then he adds maybe another one in and so the, yeah, the number goes, goes back up and down up again, yeah. uh, i thought that worked really well the kind of it's it's kind of the structure of it is uh it's a flash it, in a way it's it reminded me of marmalade because it was doing a kind of a similar thing of except instead of in in that case he was sort of recounting yeah. uh, in this yeah. one it's it's purely in his head and he's trying to remember uh but it's like they're little vignettes essentially it's not really a like a long sort of plot yeah oh, it's no. kind of stuff happening uh and the film was um uh, it's made by uh, the Burkhart brothers mm -hmm. uh, who did um i think this is their first feature and this is actually uh, an adaptation of uh, one of their first films, which was uh, also called, it was called Headcount, and it's uh, mm -hmm. three minutes long, and it is this, it's the, it's this exact same concept, but with the, uh, with making it into a feature, they've completely changed everything. So the central idea of here's a guy, he's got the gun to his head, he's trying to remember where the bullets went, that is kept, and and the final, uh, the final bit uh, with. The, uh, where where the story ends up basically at that point that's all from the short that's all from the short but everything else has been completely changed. all the, the bullets and how they were expended is completely different to what it was in the short film uh and uh 
I think it's I think it's really great fun. It's really clever, nicely shot. Um, you know, good humor, great good scripts. Uh, I liked all the you know fun little moments. Uh, the uh, and the romance as well. There's there's some quite nice um, melancholy uh, romance in there. Uh, the uh, you know you, you like the characters. Uh, you you um you you're interested in what's happening with him. Uh, you know you don't. He, there's like uh, it's almost like one of the early again the sort of comicalness of it. One of the early situations of is you know he's remembering oh yeah i was in this house and and, he, and he's yeah. talking on the phone because he thinks he's in his friend a friend of his house who he's just gone into and they're like yeah. no they moved <laughs> and then it becomes this kind of bedroom fast <laughs> thing yeah, for about right, five, yeah. for about five minutes which i thought was really <laughs> which i thought was that was another thing that was really catching my attention i was like oh that's yeah. that's that's fun and then um and then we go on to this where he's got to say my bumps into ryan quanton and and then he's trying to He's trying to escape, and then something else interrupts. He's, the, he's in a bar, and then sort of a crowd interrupts him. <laughs> it's like, and then, and then he can't get out, and then Ryan Quanton and the whole thing. Uh, and yeah, the, the thing that happens when he goes into the house, which has a bit of a, might be a little bit of like a Quentin Tarantino ish kind of thing, really, mm. like a, yeah. almost like a, a true romance or something. So he kind of ends up in this place mm. to uh to do you know to try and pretend to be someone he's not and all that sort yeah. of thing but there's a you know there's a complication <laughs> that comes up and i thought it's that's really fun it worked really well it's like there was a there was so many great moments in it that sort of really stuck in in the head um yeah. it's only an hour and 20 minutes long uh and he, I, I don't know if you would class it as a shaggy dog story but there's you know there's not there's not really anything substantial yeah. to it, hmm. um, but it's but it is you know it's very engaging and, and it's a lot of fun and the performances are good. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting because it's made in um, it's an American film made in Kansas, but the uh, both um, Aaron uh, Jukubenko and obviously Ryan Quanton they're both Australians. Indeed. So I did wonder for a while whether this was actually like made in Australia, but it was pretending to be American. Not the case at all. It just happens to be that they cast Australians um, uh, in these two sort of, well, uh, Ryan Quanton's not central, but he's probably the biggest name in the film, yeah. um, but yeah. that they cast these guys, but who do fantastic American accents. They're, you know, they're, yeah. they're completely believable. Um, I enjoyed it. I'd say I thought um, Jacobenko did a, did a really good job. Uh, I'd like to see more of him. Uh, he, he was he was very you know made the character likable enough you know he's kind of you don't you, you, he's one of it's like uh, it can be a bit risky you know when you've got these kind of uh, anti-hero kind of characters mm. and it can kind of go the wrong way uh, but I thought he was you know he's not perfect but he was likable enough and stuff he's and, calm uh, under pressure he's one of these guys who you know he seems you know there's, there's that bit as you said, the bedroom fast pit where he has to come out on, uh, from under the bed and he's sort of holding the gun. And he, he you know, he, he looks the part. He, look, he looks like a, t a tough guy. He's like, shit, you know. Um, but he, and you can understand why people are so warm towards him as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, like exactly, yeah. brothers sort of putting himself out and, you know, his, his, uh, his ex is, is, is still really fond of him and stuff. Mm. You, know, you, you, can, you can see why. Um, they're all, you know, warm towards him, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, 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 this is a sort of a strong recommend uh, from me for this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and on that note, Steve, what are you going to score? Headcount. Give it a seven. Mm -hmm. And Rich. 
I'm giving a, <clears throat> I'm going to give it an eight, and I'd also say go and check out some of their short films. Uh, the, 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 um, the, um, what did I say their name was? was the, um, uh, the Burger Burger Brothers. Burger Brothers. Burger. They did one called uh, Suspense, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, like a, a horror film, which is <clears throat> worth a uh, six minute horror film, which is uh, definitely um, one worth checking out. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a, an eight from me. And uh, sorry, one more thing I want to mention: they do a really fun, clever thing with the uh, closing credits, where they're all numbered, uh, and they start with three hundred and fifty-seven, and they oh. count down to one. Uh, so I presume the gun in the film is a three fifty-seven. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but either that or it's just a coincidence. But I thought that was a, a fun little uh, uh, thing that I hadn't seen in uh, in credits before. Because I, I thought the the people in the, the way they put the credits together was really cool. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I'm going to join Steve on a seven for this one, um, but it is a high seven for sure. Uh, yeah, this one this one surprised us again, like Marmalade did like, um, in our previous episode. So yeah, two sevens and an eight for Headcount. Go check it out. Our next film is Cold Meat. David Peterson is passing through the Colorado Rockies after saving a young diner waitress from her violent ex-husband during a break from driving. He hits the road again alone through a dangerous snow blizzard. One false move behind the wheel has him hitting a snowbank, stranding him in the eye of the storm. Um okay so the thing is about this film, I don't want to go into spoilers, basically. No. no. Um, even though I, I think it's kind of obvious the way, way it's going to go um, from that diner scene. But even I'll so... Disagree I'll hmm? disagree with you. Though. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. But we won't go into spoilers on this one. Um, but this this is, you know, it feels like another COVID film, basically, because it's, you know, very limited cast, um, single location kind of situation. Um, but even so, you know, uh, the interesting thing about, you know, saying, oh, it's another COVID film is they've all been different. You know, they, they've all come up with different ways of dealing with making a movie in, in, in sort of difficult circumstances and and, you know this is another good example of that limitations uh steve what did you make of cold meat i really enjoyed this until the second twist at the end and that's (laughs) that's lost it a point straight away Mm -hmm. right now like you say it starts from the diner and then there's a big twist which completely changes the story, completely changes everything. Yeah. Yep. I, I I'll be like I said, I didn't see it coming. I'll be honest. I was like, oh shit, right. It's quite <laughs> interesting. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well acted. But the script was brilliant when don't want to spoil anything, but when people they're talking, mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. They're talking after the twist, and it seemed real, not Hollywoodized, not overblown. It seemed on a level, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it seemed like that's what the character 
characters would say in a way. Mm-hmm. And then I think it goes along really well. The tension's great. And then it fucks it at the ending. <laughs> it lost it lost the point. It's lost the point for the ending. Because it just comes out of nowhere. We've had this before, haven't we? Where, you know, like, that, I, I can never remember the name, but, but the one where, oh, yeah, they go back and she's got a time machine in her in a bedroom yeah, yeah. or something. Night, night, well, yeah. it's that night, night, ride, night driver or whatever it's called. Or, yeah. 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 And it's like, no, you've got... The only thing you've got leading up to it is one person telling a local story legend and that's it there's nothing else really hmm. well it, they, there is a well, setup in the, in the opening uh, uh, monologue uh, voice yeah that's, that's what that's what Steve's yeah. alluding yeah, to yeah. yeah well you got actually got in, in the beginning monologue and she says it someone says it again later on in the film yeah 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 she comes out um, and then there's a tiny little scene that leads to it but that's it there's nothing else there and it, up to that point loving it really was loving it but yeah I I, I just thought that bit spoiled it mm. yeah I mean I must admit I'd, I'd forgotten about the you know what she was saying in the monologue at the beginning I thought okay well that's, that's a nice bit of interesting local colour you know, and that's that's about the end of it. You know, I thought, I thought if anything, it was an allegory for the evil that men can can do, kind of thing, rather than being something actual. I don't know. We're being very literal at this point, actually. Yeah. Mm. Um, but anyway, cool. Yes, yeah, so I I thought the production values of this are very good. Um, yeah. Interesting tip, by the way, if you do ever find yourself stranded in the in the snow, in a blizzard. Apparently, the best thing to have are some tea lights. Because oh yeah, what, because uh-huh. one tea, tea light, can, you know, can, can keep keep you warm in 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 within a car for ages. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, just just so you know, <laughs> um, Rich, how did you get on with cold meat? Uh, similarly, I, I liked it a lot. You know, it's very good production uh, value. It's like very limited kind of. Uh, uh, two-hander basically mm. to the to, to, to a large extent uh, between uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Alan Leach who mm. is uh, someone I was most I'm most familiar with him uh, from Downton Abbey and I think this is the only other thing I've seen in him so he, and he's he's Irish and he plays mm. Irish in uh, in Downton Abbey this is him playing an American which I thought he did pretty well mm. uh, and him and he's playing off against Nina Bergman who we last saw in Hell Hath No Fury so it was it was good to i thought they that you know that's a good couple of actors there to sort of really sort of draw you in the um production yeah sort of the setup you know with the, all the stuff with the storm and the snow and uh and everything and the makeup for the you know for the effects of mm-hmm. the uh, of the cold on them i thought was fantastically done you know very convincing you know some of it i just thought how on earth did they do that <laughs> so because mm-hmm. um some of it was just so you know well executed it did you know you didn't have like um Oh, that's a really obvious visual effect kind of moments. Uh, I was I was basically completely convinced that 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 they were in uh, in this uh, sort of um, uh, blizzard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuck in this blizzard kind of situation. The so I'm, it's it's hard to say much without going into any sort of details, which I said I don't want to do. But we I will sort of skirt around what you guys were, um, or you know, uh, what you guys were saying that I. I think those elements 
or that or that element uh, i would agree that i felt that that was kind of a bit uh distracting slash underdeveloped slash not necessary hmm. um it didn't really it it um it was introduced and then i was not quite sure what was happening with it and then you know it kind of pops up and I'd, i i don't think it needed it uh i think the film without that i mean i know that they're trying to add a little something extra in but uh i thought as a straight thriller um, yeah uh, between these two two people and sort of the the, the cat and mousey kind of stuff between the two of them uh, was uh, at the heart of it and worked really really well. I mean, what, I mean, it is the heart of it, um, but it's just saying they kind of had these other bits in. Um, yeah, so this was um, uh, also a bit too long, I would say. Uh, the you know the, the central concept and everything. I think they they kind of try to. Uh, give it some breathing room by sort of adding some uh, sort of flashback fantasy kind of uh, mm -hmm. moments, which which I thought worked okay and stuff, but I thought the, the film needed to be a little bit shorter, a little bit tighter um, uh, for me. But uh, I thought overall, I, I really, really liked it. I thought it was very, very well made, very stylish. I was completely gripped in, you know, drawn in by those opening moments Um uh, there's a great bit at the start, actually, because it's like a long take, and he mm. does the cigarette catch kind of thing, like um, like Jackie Chan in the mm. uh, was it Armor of God or or whatever, almost, almost not the, not exactly the same trick, but he basically throws it and catches it. I was thinking that mm. he did do that, didn't he? I didn't imagine it. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, um, and I was thinking that that must because he does that quite a way into the take, and I was thinking. I wonder how many times they had to like go all the way back and, and start it again. Cause that surely can't be, uh, you know, that that's a tough trick. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I liked all that. Um, the uh, one of the right, uh, I think it's it's a it's a British Canadian uh, production, and the director, it's like his, he, it's not his debut, but he's uh, he's mostly done short films prior to this, and he's got a visual effects background, uh, which again might explain why the why the you know the storm and everything is so convincing because uh, yeah. he, he's you know <laughs> he's been working on visual effects basically as as his main uh, you know main aspect of his career. Um, but here this was uh, also co-written by the uh, another uh, filmmaker we come across before, James. Uh, hang on, sorry, what uh, was uh, James Kernack, mm -hmm. uh, and he made. He wrote and directed the film Knuckle Dust, which I know you got. Oh, I don't think yeah. you guys were, I were a fan of that. Very much, no. I didn't like that very much, no. But I, I was quite fond of that yeah. one. Which there are some similarities. You can see some. I can see a, a couple of similarities. Very different though. Um, uh, but the, in terms of the telling, you know, telling stories and you know the characters, you know, who can you trust and all that sort of stuff, yeah. is um, I think a, a similar sort of development, but this is directed uh, and sort of co-written by Sebastian Druin. Uh, and yeah, and I think it's a good debut, definitely a good feature debut. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, some, you know, I, I was, I didn't really know what to expect going in uh, and uh, I, I was gripped straight away. Uh, very interesting. Uh, it's got some, some really cool moments. I, I, I do highly recommend that. Yeah. Okay. On that yeah. note, uh, Steve, what do you score it? Like I said, I'm not going to pay it off, so I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> cool. And Rich? I'm going to give it a seven. And a seven from me. So three sevens for cold meat. 
go check it out. Our next film is American Star. An assassin is on a final assignment in Fuerteventura to kill a man he has never met. When his target is delayed, he finds himself drawn to the island, its people, and a ghostly shipwreck. So this is Ian McShane off on his holidays. (laughs) Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah. You can almost sort of see a Bowfinger sort of scenario where they just sort of sent Ian McShane... And say, look, just just wear this black suit, just wander around a lot, and we'll film around you and sort of try try to add bits. But it, I mean, I'm being disingenuous, of course. He he is the star of this, and he is very much involved. Um, I think there's a little bit of a Sophia Coppola kind mm. of uh, sort of a lost yeah. in translation and all that sort of thing uh, going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely, there is a bit of that um, for sure. Um, yeah, he he just finds himself sort of being drawn in to this location you know just just actually able to relax for once um it's quite interesting um the whole beginning bit i thought was great you know um it sort of sets the scene quite nicely of him arriving reminded me a little bit of collateral in that regard you know it's when tom cruise sort of comes through the airport and that um you know we 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 know this is the guy you know we know we know he's the guy to what to be keeping an eye on um but the whole thing of him turning up at this house, he just oh, you know, this go go to this house. Here's the security number and everything. And then he's there for like five minutes, and then this woman turns up. And he's like, shit, you know, got to get out of here. Um, I thought I thought he was going to kill her straight away, actually. Uh, I must admit. Um, but no, he goes and finds himself a nice hotel, settles in. Um, you know, he bonds with this little kid who keeps getting yeah. kicked out from, you know, kicked out by his, his parents because they keep arguing and all that sort of shit. Um, yeah, and and this girl, you know, this uh, this barmaid uh, that he gets to know and realizes that she's the one that's been stay, you know, staying at the house and that. Um, but it is that thing again, isn't it? You know, Rich. Uh, sorry, Steve. You you mentioned earlier about uh, fortunes of war, and here we are. You know, same old, same old. Here we have yet another film about an assassin doing one last job. You know, everyone knows this is his last job. Why, why would he tell people in that for profession that oh yeah, this is it. This is this is the last time I'm doing this. You know, just I mean, disappear, you... just fucking disappear. Yeah. It, but again, it's another one of these where they turn up somewhere, something goes wrong, and then nothing happens. Mm. He's Not... basically he's just well, spinning he's his wheels, like... isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, is he trying to shag her? Is he trying to shag her mum? Is he, you know, making friends with the kid? Then, oh, gee, it's just so frustrating. Don't mm. get me wrong. I mean, the island, and it looks beautiful. Ian McShane is the don. He's still yeah. a god. Mm. I mean, look at him. You know how old he is? No. He's 82. What? I was going to say, like, early 60s. No, he's fucking 82. 82. He was born yeah, he, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been. Uh, eighty-one. Sorry, he's, he's eighty-two in September. All right. How old was he in Lovejoy then? No, he must have been his thirties, isn't it? No, I can't. No, forties. Yeah, yeah, probably was. Bloody hell! Oh. But yeah, he's, he, as you said, he's yeah, he he just looks the shit all the way yeah. through. Hmm. 
and you know, <laughs> even when the kid comes up to me, he's like, you're not hot. Yeah, I'm fucking boiling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, you want some shorts? No, I don't want it. Mm. But there's nothing, there's nothing to it. Mm. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean yeah. going around having a drink, having lunch, meeting up with his, I don't know, his ex-colleague's son. Yeah, yeah. Who's obviously in with the same group. But that's it. Well, on that note, what this film reminds me of is a Takashi Kitano film called Sonatine. Which, oh, yeah. Which has mm-hmm. a very sort of similar thing where, where uh, Kitano is the head of this you know, particular outfit or, or he's one of their sort of top guys. And he's basically sent to the seaside with his men, you know, said, look, you, you just got to wait here until we figure some stuff out and then you know, we'll bring you back in. And that's basically it. You know, they're making sandcastles on the beach and playing baseball and all this sort of shit. Every now and again, they ring up the boss going, no, no, it's not time for you to come back yet. <laughs> you know, all this, basically, yeah. you know. But it's it's that sort of same sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you're just watching someone just, just spinning their heels, you know, spinning their wheels for a great chunk of the film, um, you know, and, until he finds out who his, his target's going to be, um, which, you know, may or may not come as a surprise as, mm. as who that is but um it looks great and, and you know the title um refers to uh the the shipwreck the american star which which looks like it was a you know an old edwardian sort of cruise liner kind of thing yeah. that that had, um you know got shipwrecked on on the on the rocks and the thing about Flight of ventura as well it's 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 just a rock, isn't it? I mean, there's no vegetation or anything there. Basically, it's it's just volcanic rock, as as far as the eye can see. But it's hot. It's hot, and there's a beach, and that's yeah. that's basically its appeal. Yeah, and very windy, apparently. And, yeah, it looks it looks very windy all the time. But um, you know, lots of resorts there, of course, because of the heat. But um, yeah, you know, if you're going to go sightseeing, there's nothing. The bloody sea, that's <laughs> all by the looks of it. Anyway, um, Rich, how did you get on with uh, American Star? I really liked it. I was quite, cap- I was very captivated mm. by it. Uh, uh, the uh, I found it uh, the central concept. To, you know, we've seen it so, like you say, we've seen it so many times before. I mean, it is that kind of. I mean, the film that came to mind is one I ne- is one I've never seen, which is The American with George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Which I've heard was basically another kind of he's an assassin, but you know nothing really happens in the film kind of thing. Uh, but the uh, you know that we've seen variations on this like Silent Trigger with Dolph Lundgren, you know where he's in basically Bruges. called up. In, in Bruges, yeah. 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 So th- th- it's been done loads. Uh, I do think there's like let's say is that kind of Sofia Coppola sort of um, lost in translation thing going on here. It's very that's that's one that really came to mind. I mean, it, Ian McShane, like you guys was Ian McShane looks fantastic. He looks super super cool, mm. <laughs> and he's like 80, 80 years old. He's like got, he's just like fantastic. I just in, really enjoyed just spending time with his character. Uh, it is a it is a drama with a marginal thriller element. Basically, mm. you know, you go, it, it, you can't go in expecting it. There is that thrillery bit, and it kind of comes up and whatever. But most of the time, it is just sort of this kind of not not mumblecore, but it's just like this observational, yeah, you yeah. know, 
um, hanging around kind of uh, <clears throat> almost, I don't know, cinema verite or whatever, whatever it was is the, you know, kind of uh, sort of theme to those kind of, that kind of thing. Anyway, um, it does look really good. I thought the American star stuff was really, really fascinating because I didn't, it, uh, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about that. And the, the film actually doesn't make that much of it. Uh, it's kind of there's there's like one big scene where they go out to find the American star, and uh, that's kind of it, really. Uh, the but so it's kind of like you, it's down to you to interpret what does that rep, you know, why the American star, what what's that sort of representing? I think there's a there's an element of uh, is he the American star? You know, he's kind of found himself sort of yeah. there and sort of stuck there, and you know, but sort of you know what does that mean you know is this where he's gonna sort of end his days and stuff but anyway the american star thing the the ship i went up and looked at, i watched a video on youtube and stuff really interesting because one of the things that bothered me when i was watching it was when they go to the american star i was like that looks fake that looks you know obviously cgi so i wanted to know is the american star actually still there because of the um uh, the the way it ends up at the end of the movie um, sort of indicated to me that maybe it wasn't around anymore, and uh, and that is the case. Uh, it disappeared under the uh, disappeared into mm. the ocean uh, a few years ago, but it sort of gradually fell. But it was basically in it was in two parts. It ended up sort of fracturing, and you know one part fell away, you know quite a long time ago and then sort of more recently the the second part went into the sea really interesting history about the yeah. ship but none of that is in the movie that's not what the film not no, what the film is we get that overhead shot at the end don't we of yeah. of, of the submerged version of yes. it you know yes so you got yeah as you say so you got the cgi mock-up of it sort of like leaning on its side on, yeah. on on the rocks and then at the end we get the actual Thing. Well, that was it. So part of me was thinking, so did they do some CGI to remove it or was was it under, you know, was it never there and stuff? So I, I needed to, that was bothering me slightly, but it was a, a minor thing. I just thought it was a really interesting element to the film. Mm. Uh, so you can as I say, I think it's there to be interpreted and stuff, but the, uh, um, the, so Ian McShane, this is his film. It's, it's sort of anchored by him. And if you enjoy spending time with that character in this, you know, beautiful location, then you're going to have a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, just maybe two seconds. I'm going to look up another film from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it's another film that kind of came to mind. I don't know if either of you saw the film um, The Hit back in the 80s with uh, John Hurt. Um, oh, no. No, I'm not. Um, no, no, no. It's directed by Stephen Frears, and it's basically um, there's a guy, you know, who's, who's a London gangster who sort of turned witness um, and then went into witness um, protection in in france or spain or something and mm -hmm. eventually he gets found where he is so so that you know they send out these two guys one, one of them's john hurt who's slightly older more wildly you know worldly wise one and then there's a guy who i thought might have been tim roth but it was actually not it was it was somebody else um tim roth is he, in the film though might be yeah yeah he, but, he definitely is because i'm looking at the cast list yeah, cool 
Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's again, it's one of these sort of films, you know, almost like a vacation kind of thing. But it's, it's, it's these two guys who are supposed to be bringing, you know, this guy back to England to, so so he could face, you know, justice at the hands of the London crime bosses. Um, but yeah, that, that was quite interesting because of the, you know, set, set in the sun and all the rest of it, just sort of reminding me of it. But uh, anyway, okay, uh, Steve, your score for American Star. I'm giving it a five. Mm-hmm. And Rich? Oh, I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it a seven. Mm-hmm. I, I did like this, probably not as much as Rich, though, so I'm giving it a six. So there we go, a nice smattering of scores, a five, a six, and a seven for American Star. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is The Court Jester. David, an underappreciated segment producer, has a life-altering run-in with the enigmatic fitness guru Richard Simmons backstage of a high-profile talk show. Um, so weird seeing Paulie Shaw in this um, as, as Richard Simmons. Uh, the only film I've actually seen of Paulie Shaw's is... I think it's called In the Army now. Oh yeah, which I actually yeah. did enjoy. It's it's just one of those really dumb comedies, you know, sort of like a latter um, police academy or or down Periscope or something like that. But it did work, and I did, I actually did enjoy it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was it was good to sort of see him in this for sure. Uh, Rich, you're our curator of all these lovely shots. What can you tell us about the court jester? Uh, so this is the latest film from Jake Lewis, who made The Cowboy and the Samurai, Ooh, yeah. which we watched recently, which was also really another yeah. sort of based on true true life figures kind of uh, thing. Uh, this one is, uh, I think, uh, perfect casting of Paulie Shaw as Richard Simmons, who a lot of people won't be very familiar with because he's not he's not in the UK. Not, though, not in the yeah. UK you know, in the no. UK, no, in the UK. I mean, um, yeah. won't be very familiar with because. You know, he 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 his fame never really translated over here, but he's he's been mentioned or featured in loads of TV and mm. and movies, uh, you know, eighties, nineties, and stuff. So uh, that's where I and a lot, a lot of film fans or whatever would be familiar with him from. And I think in terms of what I know from those, I think Paulie Shaw was, you know, sort of nails the part. Really, mm. what's interesting is that. Uh, Richard Simmons is not fond of this film that it was made uh, <laughs> and isn't fond of of Paulie Shaw uh, playing him in the role. I think there's another project that's actually being produced um, with his blessing, mm. apart from this, whereas this is very much an unofficial thing. Uh, it's set during uh, a recording of the Ellen DeGeneres show. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is all very well uh, reproduced as far as I can tell. I mean, there's clips and stuff that you can go and see on YouTube of the original kind of encounter. But the the central story of it, which I say it's only 10 minutes long, uh, Paulie, Sh uh, sorry, Paulie Shaw as Richard Simmons is kind of a background character because the focus is very much on this sort of um, uh, member of the production crews just sort mm -hmm. of put upon and you know not not respected and, and nobody even knows who he is or where you know what he does yeah. even though he's been there for several years, years and stuff yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's having a bit of a hard time of it but then he has this nice encounter uh, with um say with Richard Zimmer I think it's a lovely little film 
uh, carried by, say, that sort of that really strong sort of uh, ostentatious performance uh, by Paulie Shaw, which is the kind of the only kind of performance he really does. Uh, I, I thought, I thought, yeah, it was really, um, uh, really quite uh, uh, interesting. Uh, you know, good little film. I, I did like it. I mean, I am a sucker for anything that is to do with behind the scenes of like filmmaking or, you know, TV production and that sort of thing. And he really did sort of nail that side of it as well. You know, it, it, there was almost like an element of like 30 rock to it, which, which, which I really mm-hmm. did like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that worked really well. Uh, Steve, what did you make of uh, The Court Jester? Yeah, it's nice, whimsical bit of filmmaking. You know, it's, um, I was shocked actually when I saw Paula Shaw as Richard Simmons. Because like, like I say, I, I've seen bits of him, mm. you know, don't, I'm not one to sit there and watch a fitness guru, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> I've only seen a few clips, but um, I thought he actually nailed it. He's actually pretty good at it. Cause, yeah. Like I say, I've not seen many, I remember a couple of Paulie Shaw films when I was a kid, and he's just like, you know, typical stoner knobhead in him. And in this, he's actually got, you know, a bit of heart, a bit of something about him, and he actually gives a decent performance in it. Mm-hmm. And even the woman who plays Ellen. She, she was sounds, great. Yeah. She sounds yeah. just yeah. like it was, it was creepy. Because like, her face, she doesn't really look like it, but she sounded mm. like it. Oh. Yeah. But she looks she looks enough like her that you go, yeah, you yeah. You're, you're doing it yes. a journalist. <laughs> and she opened her mouth and was like shit. But mm. I mean, is it is it kind of based on a true thing or is it just him appearing on the show was true, but the sort of the, yeah. the narrative of the the guy in the in you know in the talk I think that's purely imagination. Yeah. But they've yeah. kind of hung it on this moment in time. Because mm. I think Paulie uh Richard Simmons has kind of been out of the spotlight for a while and he's kind of doing Which a little bit vanished, of a comeback. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. It, it just vanished, apparently, overnight. From what, I, what I can remember. And then I heard about this, but I I thought this was going to be like a feature film rather mm-hmm. than a short. Or the, or the use this as like a proof of concept, you think? Or... I don't think... I think this is kind of... I've, I get the sense that this is kind of a one and done, but there is yeah. a separate uh, Richard Simmons sort of biopic that's being developed, um, mm. which may or may not ever materialise. I'm not sure, but I think they'd have a, I think they'd have a tough job doing better than this. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Really. Yeah. It's funny yeah. to think Paulie Shaw, who most people over here will know from uh, uh, California Man, as it was released in the UK, yeah. and Cena Man, yeah. the original. Yeah. Which was over thirty years ago, and yeah. Paulie Shaw was kind of. I mean, he had a couple of other films that were quite well known, like Biodome. I remember. Biodome. You know, people were very, I used to very love popular. Biodome. <laughs> but his his that his moment was over. He was kind of a bit like, almost like Steven Seagal. Really, his main sort of uh, the sort of central, you know, big moment mm. for Paulie Shaw was over within about five years, like and uh, and he's kind of, yeah, you know, he's been. You know, he had small. There was even a documentary he did called "Paulie Shaw is Dead," because there, you know people did think he was dead for a while. You know, he's just he, he was just basically completely disappeared. So, uh, but his the amount of films and stuff that I mean, he has done quite a few short films, including a film called Sin City Psycho, where he's playing as like a serial killer kind of character, which is novel. It's interesting, mm. um, but really, he's um, 
he, he he's not had any really significant roles in a in a really long time, and yeah. um, this is almost like I mean his last credit as well. It was like a is like voice acting credits from like two or three years ago. So in a way, this is kind of a comeback for him. So um, I'm hoping that this, I mean, it's already been getting quite a lot of attention. I don't think there's much else you can, you know, in terms of what could it lead on to for him. Unfortunately, I think it's a, it's a good role and it, you know, it's, it's sort of hot. It works well for him, but it's not something that can translate to, Oh, well now we're going to get Paul Paulie Shaw to star in X. You know, kind of thing. I don't think mm, it's that. No, it's, it's not, not going to be. It's not going to springboard him. It's not. You know, it's not going to be. I don't think it's got the potential to be any kind of a springboard, unfortunately. But it was. It is cool to see. You know, somebody who was so popular at that. You know, back in the nineties, mm. to have this sort of chance to come back and do something else, and you know, sort of highlight some of their strengths in a mm. in a in a project that really works for them. Um, so I would certainly not be against seeing a feature length version. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be any more irritating than one of Paulie Shaw's, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, comedy vehicles, like you say, in the army now or jury duty and son-in-law and all that sort of stuff that back in the day. But yeah, uh, um, and that, just more proof that, you know, Jake Lewis has really got a talent for these kind of true life, uh, mm. fantastical sort of true life um, stories about these celebrity figures and stuff. Absolutely. So we don't score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out. And to do that, we shall put a link in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Pie Wacket. Leah and her mother are in the midst of trying to cope with the death of Leah's father. While Leah turns to the occult, trying to unlock the mysteries of what lies beyond death, her mother decides that they need to move out of what was their family home and set up at an old house out in the forest. This doesn't sit well with Leah, who is suddenly faced with the prospect of starting a new school and losing her close friends. After a particularly bitter argument, Leah lashes out by storming into the woods and casting a spell, which will bring forth a demon to kill her mother. Um, I, I really do like this film. It's, it's shot in a very interesting way. Um, it keeps its cards pretty close to its chest as to whether or not there is anything sort of supernatural going on. Um, there is one tiny blink and you'll miss it clue um, in the middle of the film. Um, and, and it is this sort of like, you know, it, it, the, 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 um, the circumstances sort of build up sort of pretty nicely um, to, to this sort of really sort of tragic sort of um, conclusion. The way it's filmed is is quite interesting because the camera for long periods of the film is kind of behind the main character. So Leah always, you know, for for long scenes, Leah has her back to the camera. So we're not sort of like seeing what she's seeing. We're not sort of fe feeding off her emotions. You know, it's just the atmosphere of what's going on around her that we're sort of feeding off. Um, there are other times when she's like at school and and the, the camera sort of like just follows along like in the middle of everything is as if you're just there tagging along rather than sort of like um, witnessing 
stuff happening. You know, you're, you're, it makes you quite complicit to what's going on, which I really liked. Um, I will mention a couple of other things in a minute, but over to Steve. What did you make of Pywacket? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it's very different than what I thought it was going to be, to be fair. Hmm. Um, when I read the synopsis, I was thinking something more like The Craft or something like that, on that kind of wavelength. Sure. Um, but, no, it's, yeah, like you say, the filming style is, is, is strange. It's also not only that you get that, the kind of shaky cam bits as well. Mm-hmm. Pop up like sporadically throughout the film, and it's like, hang on, let's go in there. Um, <laughs> I might, I might have missed the blinking, you miss it. Who you said? I'll be honest. Yeah. It happens right after the ritual, when she's in the forest. Right, no, I'll talk, I'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> but I thought it was a little bit, a little bit sparse, mm-hmm. you know, not. Not really much happens, but then you get the ending and you're like, shit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And but it is, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you, you could play it like either it's all in her head and, and there isn't a demon yeah. or there is a demon and it's inside her head, you know, forcing yeah. her to sort of see th- things the way that it, 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 it's, you know, very interesting sort of the way that they play it. And it is quite enigmatic apart from, you know, yeah. is is it real? Is it not real? Sort of thing for for a long period. Yeah, it was good. It was nice to see Laurie Alden in something. Yeah, yep. well. since I since the, uh, the Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I wasn't sure, but it was after. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Uh, Rich, what do you make of Pie Wacket? I liked it. It is very much a slow burn, kind of more of a, a bit like uh, we were saying about like American Star. It's kind of. It's a dr- this is a drama about the relationship between a, a girl and her mother, mm. which has some sort of horror elements, but it's not really about that. It's kind of uh, the majority of it is, uh, you know, it's a bit like the way, uh, not quite the same, but, you know, like that witch hunt film was using mm. uh, sort of some witchcraft elements and stuff mm. to sort of for another reason, you know, it's like yeah. kind of, it's there for, for the, you know, it's um, it's there for the literal meaning and then the allegorical, yeah, kind of thing. So the, um, so yeah, I thought the, I think, I would, I, I think people might be disappointed by the, the, say the ambiguity uh, of of some of it. I mean, you know, it, it never, it doesn't do like like um, like Steve saying, like it's it doesn't go down a craft or craft legacy kind of root or anything it's it's very much sort of an anti that it's like the complete opposite um more cl- uh, closer to some of the like folk horror and stuff that we've talked about uh in in both recent and past episodes of um you know uh like jug face and stuff which I keep mm-hmm. mentioning because that, yep. that was quite a memorable one um the i thought the central performances were were really good. I like the, uh, you know, the, I quite like, there's a little bit of the, uh, oh, there's something strange going on. I'm going to do some research and I'm going to talk to an expert kind of thing. Yeah. They do a little bit of that, but it doesn't really yeah. go uh, huge places. Pie Wacket, I, I looked it up, it is a real uh, term in witchcraft, it refers to um, something uh, associated to uh, 
an, uh, an incidents in uh, in Essex, apparently, uh, oh. from what I can see. But the uh, uh, as as a, you know, like a demon kind of thing. Um, there was a YouTube video. I found. Very little information actually about it, but it's mm -hmm. like um, there's a there's a few like references on uh, pages and a couple of videos. I was going to watch a video to try and get more of a background on it, but uh, didn't get time. But the uh, yeah, the sort of setups and everything's good. The way it all pans out, I think um, I think they kind of ruin it a little bit at the end by uh, you know taking away some of the ambiguity you know that's like you you mm. kind of it's kind of pretty obvious what's happened but then they kind of feel the need to sort of spell it out right at the end which mm. i didn't think i thought was like you know considering the way that the uh the tone of the film for the rest of it is kind of left to the audience it kind of seemed a bit yeah, uh, a bit like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho at the end, where they where they yeah, have to go. Oh well, yeah. this is yeah. the thing, or the other thing, and, then, yeah. and uh, which um, mm. uh, was fine. So yeah, I think that sort of marred it a little bit. But I thought in terms of it was quite gripping, quite engaging. Say so it was different to what I expected. Um, didn't uh, say I thought it was going to be much more of a straight horror movie, which which it isn't. No, it's not definitely not. Uh, I think that's why I like it so much as well because it has this sort of, you know, it has this sort of like bit of an avant-garde sort of punk quality to it. Mm. Um, you know, it, I mean, I want to sort of mention a few things like like the characterization between mother and daughter. You know, the way they de are dealing with grief basically is, you know, the daughter wants to try and understand what's happened and wants to know what happens when you die, what happens after you, after death, that sort of thing, to try and come to terms, you know, that's her way of sort of dealing with it, trying to come to terms with what happened to her dad. Whereas mm. her mum just wants to comp compartmentalise the whole thing, <laughs> lock it lock it in a box, throw it away, you know, throw away the key, start afresh, you know, a whole new house, new, new neighbourhood, everything, you know, nothing there to remind her of her dead husband, basically, apart from her daughter, who won't shut, you know, who... who is a living, breathing reminder of it, basically. Um, so, so that was a really interesting dynamic. And it's, you know, as I said, you get to this moment where they have this horrible fight, and she storms off and and does this ritual. The ritual itself is really well done. You know, the way that's sort of filmed and and, and you know, the, the, all the incantations and that I thought was great. Immediately after she finishes that. You know, because it's all done quite close up. You know, you were seeing what she's done when she sort of cuts her hand and, you know, she's got the red string and all that sort of stuff. As soon as she finishes, the camera shoots back about, you know, 500 yards. So we're, we're suddenly seeing her in the distance as if something's watching her. And then when she goes to leave, she hears a noise like a, a you know, a branch breaking or something. She whips her head round. And the camera sort of stays on this location for a moment. And that's where you have this sort of blink and you'll miss it thing happen. Um, and I, I remember, you know, I had to go back and rewind it and watch it again, you know, to think, did, did I see anything? Did anything actually happen? And I sort of went back and watched it and found it, um, which is very interesting. There's, there's a great bit where um, one of her best friends comes to stay with her for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And she takes she takes her out to where she did the ritual, and suddenly she starts acting weird and 
disappears and because of the lighting and because you know there's no natural light or anything in this forest she literally disappears for a moment into the darkness you know and, and it starts to freak Leah out a bit and eventually it comes back and ha 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 isn't that funny I don't know. but then the next morning because she's been sleeping on the couch in the living room the next morning she is freaking the fuck out and can't yeah. wait to get out of there you know that, that, that was a really interesting moment it's like you know you got the levity from the night before and then all of a sudden it's like no some something happened um the next day the, the other the other bit as well is when she comes downstairs and finds the front door open and there's like leaves and shit all over the the kitchen it's like okay maybe i left the door open or did i actually lock the door last night you know it, it's um quite interesting i liked it yes i like this film a lot and I've recommended it a lot um, when people ask for sort of something a bit different to watch Uh, we don't score the throwbacks but we do recommend you check them out this is currently on Amazon Prime um, with adverts now I guess (laughs) bloody Um, Amazon they changed I think they changed it on Tuesday this week Amazon and now start charging ad, you know, showing ads or something. Yeah, so I don't know if I mentioned this on the last program, but the uh, I watched like the whole series of Reacher, the oh. the latest series, and I only I only had like an ad at this. I think it might have been ads between episodes, but that was about it. Um, nice. I didn't have many ads at all. So so far, so good. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Luckily, I had I actually have a physical copy of this, so I was able to watch that rather than uh, rely on Amazon. Anyway. I was trying to watch something on Plex, and I've got so oh. many adverts on there. Oh, it was God. really frustrating. Yeah. So if it ter- if it goes in that direction, then that, that's that's going to be really bad. Yeah. But <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't mind, but on Plex, it's always the same bloody advert. Mm. You watch. Yeah, it's all right. I don't mind when it's that. They've got that. Um, you know, uh, money for you know domestic, uh, disaster relief fund or whatever. Mm. And it plays, but but more recently, I've like had loads of adverts. Like it comes up and it says nine adverts. I'm like, oh no! It's like it's only been five minutes since the last one. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, that is the end of the show. So thanks, guys, for watching these films. A good selection this week. Nice to see that um, you know not everything that's going to D- DVD DTV is dross. Um, quite quite happy with the the selection we had. Um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest. Also, the short shots where we've got a whole library of links to other shorts. Go check those out. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time. <laughs>